Matters. So last week, I talked about privilege, oppression, and intersectionality, and how it affects the lives of people living at the intersection, with a focus on Black people and how it affected their financial well-being. Let's keep the conversation going. So today, I wanted to talk about the racial wealth gap. Financial security doesn't mean necessarily being rich, but being financially stable. And this is an extremely important goal for many people in the world, but for most black people living in America, it's a goal far out of reach. And to be honest, you know, I'm a big advocate for equal pay for equal work, um, like the gender pay gap, um, like closing the gender pay gap. But the racial wealth gap is a relatively new concept for me. And I think the more I learn about it, the more sort of provoked I become. And so it's important for us to to understand the racial wealth gap because we need to become better citizens of the world on our path to financial independence. So a wealth gap is basically the difference in the median wealth between groups of people. The gap is calculated by adding up all the assets and subtracting the liabilities and this results in a person's net worth. Assets can be home ownership, stock investments, etc. and liabilities are like mortgages, student loan debt, um, credit card debt, etc. So the racial wealth gap is the difference between the median wealth of the races. And the racial wealth gap affects Latinx, Black people, Native American people, and certain ethnic groups of Asian people. But today I'm going to be focusing on the way it affects Black people. So whites, on average, have a net worth around $171,000, while black people have a net net worth of around $17,600. So this means white people have approximately 10 times more net worth than blacks. And this is according to 2016 data from the Brookings Institute. But interestingly, the wealth gap continues to grow to this date. Um... I guess the precipitator of the racial wealth gap for black people started a very long time ago in American history with the institution of slavery. And for 246 years, black people, they were the wealth of America. As much of the economy was based off of the products of slavery, such as um, tobacco farming and cotton picking. So, you know, right from the start, black people, they were at a disadvantage at obtaining wealth in the U.S., while on the other hand, white people, they benefited and built wealth as a result of slavery. And then in 1865, with the 13th Amendment, slavery was, of course, abolished. And under the Lincoln administration, there were more policies favoring black people and th- that were being constructed. And I guess black people, they sought after land and property ownership. And this was because land has always been one of the biggest factors to grow wealth. But there was um, a lot of white people were having the, I guess, what about me syndrome. And there was a lot of white backlash. And though not in the form of slavery, black people continued to be treated unjustly through the Jim Crow laws and they faced legal discrimination. Um, A contributing factor to the racial wealth gap is that, you know, as a result of policies and legal and social discrimination, black families lagged behind in home ownership. So black people, they're less likely to own homes and therefore they're not able to take advantage of these wealth building opportunities. And even if they did own homes, they would be in 
less desirable neighborhoods. And this impacted their ability to have good access to education, safety, job opportunities, um, what stores they could shop at. Um, and according to the Urban Institute Current Population Survey, in 1976, 68% of white people owned homes, compared to 44% for blacks. And by 2016, this home ownership gap has actually widened. So I read this play a while ago. Um, and while I was researching the racial wealth gap, the play, A Raisin in the Sun, came to mind. And if I remember correctly, um, all the characters in the play, they have these dreams they wish they could fulfill. And But due to financial restraints, housing discrimination, and racial discrimination, they question if their dreams would be deferred. And it takes place in Chicago, which was, and even still today, has heavily segregated neighborhoods. If you don't live in Chicago, or if you haven't visited, you'll find that the South Side is predominantly Black, the West Side um, predominantly Latinx, and the North Side is predominantly White. The story stems from a lot of Hansberry, she was the author of the play, a lot of her own personal experiences with housing discrimination after she moved into a predominantly White neighborhood. If you haven't read it, definitely read it, and... I guess if you don't like to read, there's also a movie. So another contributing factor to the racial wealth gap is racial income inequality is still an ongoing problem. An income gap, it's important, but the income gap is only a tiny hill compared to the gigantic mountain called the wealth gap. Having a good income, it doesn't necessarily mean financial stability. Wealth is what protects families in emergency situations such as COVID-19. And according to the Urban Institute Current Population Survey, the wealth gap is much greater than the income gap, actually about three times greater. But over time, the income gap it adds to the wealth gap. I think an interesting um, thing to point out is that COVID-19 has really highlighted and heightened the racial wealth gap. Particularly, black people are disproportionately dying from COVID-19. Um, and Black-owned businesses are less likely to get financial relief from the CARES Act. This source is from the National Public Radio. Um, as stated by a Booth School of Business economist, in February, the top 20% of income owner earners, um, around 9% of them lost their jobs, versus in the bottom 20% of income owners, where there's more Black and Latinx people, um, there's around 35% of them who lost their job. And these numbers really do reflect the disproportionate representation of black people who have to work these essential jobs without the liberty of working at home or taking a break from working. Sometimes I know if I forget, I, I know I forget about this and maybe you do too, but I think we, we're all experiencing the pandemic differently according to our social identifiers. And relating it back to last week's episode, some people are standing at an intersection and are being hit from so many different directions during this time, and we all need to understand that. So, another contributing factor to the racial wealth gap is that federal policies, um, can, they discourage asset building for low-income families. According to a 2014 article um, by Sterl et al., many low-income families benefit from food and cash assistance, and while these programs focus on income and help them survive, they don't encourage gaining wealth and financial freedom. In fact, 
If a person has a few thousand dollars in assets, they will not qualify for many of these benefits. In addition, the federal government spends billions of dollars to support asset building, and this primarily benefits only the high-income families. So, also any any tax or retirement benefits, they typically go to the top 20% of taxpayers based on income. So in this situation, the mindset of asset building and generating wealth is indirectly not encouraged for low-income families. And I guess in this situation, the rich just keep getting richer, and this further exacerbates the racial wealth gap. So there's, of course, other issues affecting the gap, Um, According to the Urban Institute, black people have more student loan debt, they have less retirement savings, and even if they do have access to retirement accounts, they have lower participation rates. Um, I think this all plays into understanding 155 years of racial wealth gap. Did you know that $100 invested in 1865, when slavery was abolished, can become more than $4 million today? simply by the magic of compound interest. So, even if we solved issues such as home ownership, income inequality, legal discrimination, student loan debts, etc., we would still be so far from closing the racial wealth gap. And you might be wondering, why is this? Well, it's because of the 155 years of time that has been lost during which black people could have gained wealth. I like to think of things in sports terms, so think of it like this. It's like a basketball game, except your teams arrive in the fourth quarter and the opponent team has been scoring for a very long time. Um, Something about the racial wealth gap is that I feel like it doesn't get talked about as much as things like income inequality, um, workplace discrimination, um, um, unemployment rates. And it's definitely a conversation that we need to be talking about and bringing more awareness to. So hopefully by listening to this episode, you guys learned more about the racial wealth gap and can take this knowledge out into the world. Some uh, resources that I have used to better understand the racial wealth gap is from this Netflix documentary I watched called Explained the Racial Wealth Gap, so you can watch that if you want, and um, also some resources like websites that I've used, and I'll be putting that in the show notes, so definitely go check those out. Also, don't forget to read The Voices Post by Ogis from Canada. You can um, read his perspective on a Canadian's teen's take on Are You Ready for the Real World? It's pretty cool. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, stay woke. And I can't wait to talk to you guys next time.